everyone, and welcome to Novel Tea from the North Situate Library. I'm your host, Catherine, and every month I review a couple of books and give you a look behind the shelves at the secret and sometimes maybe not very scandalous lives of library workers. Up first today, I am reviewing Upright Women Wanted by Sarah Gailey. Upright Women Wanted is a sci-fi western set in a fascist future U.S. It has bandits, romance, gunfights on horseback, and librarians, which is why I read it. After her lover Beatrice is executed for reading unapproved materials, our main character Esther stows away in the librarian's book wagon. She hopes that they can help teach her to be a better person. She wants to be chaste morally upright, loyal to the state, and less willing to give in to deviant urges. She quickly learns that the librarians aren't any of those things, and kind of never have been. There are a lot of reasons this book ended up in my to-be-read pile. For one, it's very short. It's under 200 pages, Um, and since I've had some focus issues over the past year, I am not picking up very many big, difficult reads. Uh, There's also the amazing tagline, Are you a coward, or are you a librarian? Um, Finally, I just love Sarah Gailey. They are writing some of the most fun books that I've picked up in the past few years. They tend to take very popular, uh, some might say overdone, sci-fi and fantasy tropes, and then breathe fresh life into them by making them super gay. Needless to say, at this point, I loved Upright Women Wanted. It was fast-paced, it had a fun setting and aesthetic, and it packed an emotional punch. When the characters were in danger, which was most of the time, I could really feel it, but the calmer sections did their job to make the characters feel more vibrant and real and whole. This book had a very defined purpose. It's sort of a queer coming-of-age story for Esther, the main character, but I would be delighted to read more about this world and the librarians in the like wagon with the horses and all of their adventures, especially if we got to follow the continued adventures of Esther and Sai. The library has Upright Women Wanted available in print and as an ebook or audiobook through the e-zone, whatever format you like best. It is an adult book, but I'm confident that it would appeal to young adult readers as well. Um, I recommend it to anyone who wants to read a fast-paced, atmospheric book about characters who are fighting for a better life, and I especially recommend it for the LGBTQIA plus readers that I know we have out there. Hi everyone, this is Ms. Elise. I just wanted to tell you about some fun events that we have going on in the kids and teen areas and about a couple of new books that we have. So as far as fun happenings going on, we have some great reading challenges for all ages available through our Beanstack site. Some of the first ones are the Rhode Island Book Awards. So we have one for grades 9 to 12, which is the teen, uh, grades 6 to 8, which is for the middle school book awards, and grades 3 to 5, the children's book awards. These are all going until March 31st. There is a prize at the end, and every time you unlock a badge, enters your name in to win a prize. So for the teen and the middle school books, the prizes are 
a gift card to Kuzo's Pizza in Situate. And for the children's, there's a gift card to Moose Trackers as the prize. Uh, we also have one for grades K to 2. It's the Little Maverick Graphic Novel Challenge. And the prize for that at the end is um, a bag of fun, which includes bubbles, Play-Doh, and a few other fun items. So the more badges you unlock, the more chances you have of winning. For the teens, don't forget to vote for your, your favorite teen book award nominee. The voting is opens on January 25th and it goes to February 28th. So you can either stop in the library to vote or you can check out our site after the 25th and we'll have the link up to vote online. I've also added a thousand books before kindergarten onto our Beanstack page. So if you'd rather log your reading either through the app or online instead of coming in and always having to get the reading logs to fill out, you can do it online too. If you're not part of it and you want to join up, you can register online. Or if you'd rather come in and get um, paper logs, you can do that too. But it's, it is available through our Beanstack site. We also are running a winter reading challenge for all ages called Hashtag Books Like Us. It's sponsored by Simon & Schuster, and it promotes reading diverse books. So the more minutes you read, you help us win awards, rewards from Simon & Schuster, such as books and author talks. If you're not already registered through our Beanstack site, you can log on to our site, situatelibrary.org. We have a heading for Beanstack. If you click on that, it'll take you through registering for an account. And um, once you register, any of the challenges that are available to you will pop up. And um, you, can, you can do two challenges at once if you like. Or everything that you read or listen to will count for both challenges. So for programming, unfortunately, we're not in person yet. Hopefully someday we'll be, it'll be safe enough to have in-person programs again. But for now, um, we have some fun stuff going on virtually. And I also have some take and makes that are available. So I'll go over some of the fun things that are happening in January and February for you. So story times will be back. Right now we're on break, but they'll be back. A virtual story time will start again on Thursday, January 21st. Book Before Bed will be back on Monday, January 25th. And if you're already registered, you can just use the same link you've been using. If you're not registered and you'd like to register, if you go on our site and just click on the events, and the story time that you'd like to sign up for, it'll bring you to our Zoom page where you can just, you can register for the story times. We also have some cool crafts coming out from the Gentian Garden Club. Theme this month is What a Hoop. And um, when you pick up the craft kit, after they'll be available after January 20th. So when you pick up the kit, just sign up and um, I'll send you the link that you can watch their, their fun video tutorial <laughs> on YouTube. I also made a little video with um, a dissolving candy cane experiment. If you'd like to give it a try, um, you can check out our website to watch it, or you can find the link on our Facebook or Instagram page. If you want to follow along, all you need is water and candy canes and three bowls, and um, you can follow along and try the experiment out and let me know how, how you do. There also is an upcoming video that I'll be releasing this week for how to make a bird feeder out of a pine cone. So that way you can help our feathered friends during the winter. 
And Friday, January 22nd, you can stop by and pick up a Take and Make craft. I'll have the new ones out. You don't need a registration for that. Just come and get one while they last. In February, I have back by popular demand is Candy Bar Bingo. Kids K to 5 will be 4 to 45. And grade 6 plus will be 5 to 5.45 on Zoom. And you can register through our website. And if you can, if you have a chance, stop in and pick up um, some bingo cards. And if you aren't able to come in and get bingo cards, I can send you a link for virtual bingo cards. So just let me know what's best for you. You can email me at elise at situatelibrary.org if you need me to send you some virtual bingo cards. Gentian Carden Club will be having another craft kit available on February 10th, and I will be starting a yoga for kids, um, mindfulness and movement class. I'm going to start, my first one will be February 4th at 4 p.m. on Zoom. Once the weather gets nicer, I plan to do some outdoor yoga classes in front of the gazebo, but for now we'll do it on Zoom, and if you don't have a yoga mat, that's fine, um, as long as you have a safe place to do yoga. Um, we just don't want anybody slipping and falling or anything. So just somewhere that's kind of spacious and that's soft that you can balance. I'll have the, uh, the meeting link out soon. For my tweens and teens, we're going to give Among Us a try. So on February 16th, I'm going to have a Zoom meeting where we'll all meet up and I'll give you guys a link for to play Among Us. And you can play with teens and tweens your age or if you have friends and you all want to play together, um, you can register. So I'll have the link up for that also. So now I want to talk about a couple of great new books that we have. One is a picture book. It's called Good Dad Diego by Brenna Maloney. This book is about Diego. He's an adorable pug and is kept very busy by his job of being a dad. They're really cute pictures of the author's real-life pug, Rolo. And each page, he's wearing a different hat and representing a different job that he has to do as a dad. Um, it's a very cute, funny, and sweet book. The pictures are great. I think both, it's ages two plus, but I think both kids and adults would really enjoy this book. The second book I want to talk about is um, a YA novel. It's on the 2021 Rhode Island Teen Book Award nominee list. It's called The Cheerleaders, and it's by Cara Thomas. It's been five years since the cheerleading squad of Sunnybrook High was disbanded because five cheerleaders died in three separate tragic events. Monica Rayburn's sister, Jen, was one of them. After she finds her sister's phone hidden in her stepfather's desk, she starts to suspect that there was more to all of the deaths and sets out on a very dangerous mission to solve the mysteries. I thought this book seemed to realistically depict how teenagers would handle situations and how tragedy would affect the characters if it was real life. There are some darker topics covered in the book, such as suicide, murder, underage drinking and drug use, um, statutory rape, and abortion. So it might be better for teens in high school, but... I think adults and teens who are fans of thrillers, mysteries, and true crime may want to check out this book. I thought it was really good, and it seemed to keep you guessing the whole time, trying to figure out if all the tragedies were connected or if somebody was involved. It's a really good book, so I think you'd really like it. I also want to let all my homeschool families know that we have a survey through SurveyMonkey. The link is on our site. If um, you don't mind taking the survey, if you haven't already, um, we're trying to, we'd like to build up some items here that would suit homeschool families' needs. So 
um, just let me know on the survey what um, what kind of things we could do that would help you. Um, we are going to add on more materials and hopefully some curriculums too. If there's any programs that you'd like to have, just please let me know. Um, you can reach out to me, elise at situatelibrary.org or... Um, 647-5133. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Hopefully I'll get to see everybody soon. Um, take care and I'll be back next month for the next podcast. Something that I don't quite understand, but that I know to be true, is that a lot of patrons are curious about the secret lives of librarians. This segment behind the shelves is a chance for you to do just that. To get you situated, haha, <laughs> it's funny because situate, uh, anyway, to orient you, I'm going to be talking about this group of library workers. They're not all from town, but we've all worked together in some way or another. And right now, we are all in a club together, which I will get to. Uh, also, I'm going to change their names to protect them a little bit from the juicier stuff, but if you know us, you'll probably figure out who they are. So first, there's Sue. She's another reference librarian like me, and she's been in the field longest. And we all kind of go to her for advice. Actually, we're all sort of her friend above everyone else, probably. Um, she's like the convention mom. She knows and likes everybody, and everybody loves her to do anything for her. Then there is Jen, who's a tech services person, which means cataloging, basically. Um, she's also like a hardcore old school blogger. She's been writing online for like 20 years. One of those people who tell you about the fall of LiveJournal. And then there is Megan, who's a little younger than the rest of us. And I know she's not going to listen to this, so I feel okay saying we just like don't get along. She's kind of exciting to work with in the moment, and she's fun to go out drinking with when that's a thing. But she's always moving on to the next project and dropping old ones in people's laps. Ah, and then there's me, I guess. So that's the, you know, dramatis personae moving forward with this segment. Since last April, things have been all virtual all the time, which goes for everything, including the cookbook club. I was dubious about running it virtual at first, but it's actually a little more fun from home than it was in the building because we're all a little more relaxed and everyone has whatever sort of drink they want instead of just water. So every month we meet up and one person basically takes charge and does a cooking demo for the recipe that they chose and sent for us. We can cook along from our own kitchens or we can just watch and have our own snacks and whatever you want. It's been pretty quiet because, you know, rough year. Uh, but this month was a little exciting because we had two new members, a couple friends who joined together, and both of them are men. Okay, that might not sound exciting in this world where women are underrepresented in the media and a couple of dudes are at best a boring intrusion, but this is a library program and women aren't underrepresented anywhere at the library, okay? So that's like hooking a whale. One of them is called Carlo, and he seemed really sweet, just generally a pleasant guy. And he and Sue actually went into one of our breakout rooms and had a long chat about this new book about eels that they both loved. I, I don't know. And they missed all the drama about uh, this harebrained thing that the other newbie did. I actually feel kind of bad for him. Like, sure, he's a jerk, but he didn't even expect to be as much of a jerk as he was. 
He was trying to text just his friend, but he hit send to everyone on a message where he just absolutely trashed Jen. Like, I'd say he roasted her, but it was legitimately mean-spirited. He went on and on about, like, her setup, her camera, her knife skills, the recipe choice. He even said something about, like, her personal appearance. It was way out of line, and the chat went wild. A bunch of people whispered at me to kick him out, and it was a mess. But thankfully, Jen was focusing on her demo, so she didn't know that anything was wrong until later. (sighs) Really, it was probably the most stressful for me, because I was furiously typing to everybody in secret, and eventually everyone kind of just let it slide for the evening. But in the long run, I think he's kind of made some enemies with the cookbook club regulars. And I have to tell you, Sue herself is a formidable enemy. You may not know this, but no one holds a grudge like a librarian. She has done a dramatic reading of his message for everyone at the library, and he is public enemy number one. I wonder if he's going to be brave enough to come back. Moving on from the cookbook club, this month's cookbook that I'm reviewing is Seven Ways by Jamie Oliver. I want to preface this review by saying that I was once a great fan of Jamie Oliver's before he started trashing Americans for being too fat and yelling at lunch ladies working with limited resources and doing cultural appropriation. He had this great little show called The Naked Chef, which was legitimately what got me interested in cooking as like more than just a necessity. And no, he wasn't naked in the show. It was like stripped down cooking. Anyway, I always grab his books when they come out and I am always disappointed. The concept for this book, Seven Ways, is simple everyday meals using what he calls 18 hero ingredients that everyone knows and loves. And they are actually staples like broccoli, chicken breast, sausage, ground meat, potato, chicken, mushrooms. And for each ingredient, he provides seven recipes. Those are the seven ways referred to in the title. So let's get started with the good. In general, I think it's a good concept. It shows the versatility of the ingredients and the recipes are simple. They mostly have less than 10 ingredients and they're legitimately the sort of things that someone could make in 30 minutes or an hour. They mostly are meals, like there's a main dish and a simple side, which is really nice. Quite a few of the recipes serve two people rather than four, six, or eight, which is also really nice right now since we're all hunkered down at home. And on top of that, it is a very pretty book. Um, Every single recipe has at least one really nice photo to go with it. And a lot of cookbooks don't do that, which I understand because it's really expensive to do and makes the book more expensive. But when they do do it, it really helps me a lot because it helps me decide what I want to eat from the book. Moving on to the bad things. Um, I know I had a lot of different small points that were good. Uh, There's mostly just one bad thing, which is that there is only one recipe in this book that I actually wanted to try. And I'm not really in a hurry to try it either. I'm not sure what it is, but I think that an entire book, 126 recipes, all made with less than 10 ingredients, just can't hold my attention. I want like a mix of simple, intermediate, and difficult recipes. And I think that I want more variety in flavors too. When I say that, I don't really mean more variety in the base ingredients because I do like the 18 staple ingredients idea. That works for me. But 
the recipes themselves. I don't know if you've ever done a Blue Apron or a HelloFresh style like meal kit, but the recipes all feel like those. They're basic, almost to the point of being boring, but then a lot of them have like a trendy twist. So the recipes range from, I don't need a recipe to do something like that, to why would anyone do that? So for example, there is a pork schnitzel recipe, and anything with a pork cutlet should be one of my favorite dishes in the book, but he puts such a weird twist on it. Rather than a sour cream or yogurt sauce, uh, he puts a fried egg on it, which I have since learned is a thing in a certain region. But then he adds the world's weirdest potato salad. It has pickled beets and cornichons in it. And he calls it a blushing salad because it sort of looks like the beets are bleeding into the sauce and it's it's ugly and it doesn't sound like it would be good. Uh, there's another extreme oddity. He has a recipe for mushroom casio y pepe. Uh, and that's another one of those trendy dishes, but it's actually one that I really love because it's so simple. Once you get it right, it's better than like boxed mac and cheese, better than baked mac and cheese, I think. Adding mushrooms to that sounds great because I like mushrooms, but the way that he decided to add them is to just grate a raw cremini mushroom right onto the finished pasta. And that's in the mushroom section of the book. That's that's how he's making this mushroom dish. It is one of the weirdest things I've ever read in a cookbook. There are some other small issues, and some of them are things that he couldn't control. Like, it has some ingredients that are way more common in the UK than they are here, so a few of the recipes are inaccessible or expensive to make in America. This one might just be me, but I think that the recipes are so simple that the target audience should be like fairly new cooks or people who are new to cooking this style. And I think that they would need more guidance on how to prepare some of the recipes. Like every single recipe is one page, which looks really good. It's like a recipe and then the beautiful picture of it. But like in that schnitzel recipe, he shows a picture of this beautiful, like slightly runny fried egg, like over medium or something. And the guidance on that is just like, after you've finished all the other steps, toss an egg in the pan that you fried the schnitzel in and fry it however you like. Um, and I think that I might want more instruction on that because it's it's nothing. <laughs> and I am like quite familiar with the cooking of eggs. So I don't, I don't rate it highly. I'm not giving star reviews in this because I'm not sure that it is a valuable system, but I didn't like it. Um, my dislike of the book doesn't mean you shouldn't try it because we might have different tastes. I do think that if you are an inexperienced cook or you're looking for some quick, smaller recipes to try on a weeknight, a lot of them could work for you. You might need to like Google tips on how to fry an egg, for example, if you're like a really new cook or deal with whatever whatever egg mess you end up making the first time you try and fry an egg. But my personal thing is I only want to try the crispy potato pie. And when I do it, I'm going to alter the recipe. So it wasn't the best cookbook experience I've ever had. Thank you for listening to Novel Tea. Please note that the opinions in this podcast are my own and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoint of the North Situate Public Library. The Behind the Shelves segment is a work of fiction and any similarities to real people is unintentional. 
I'm including links to all of the books we discussed in the show notes, as well as a link to a transcript of the episode and to all of our social media. If you can't get enough library content, visit situatelibrary.org to learn about all of our services and programs, and to find your way to the catalog to get these books if you were interested in them. Also, please feel free to send us feedback on the show. Leave us reviews wherever you can do that, or even just drop me an email at katherine at situatelibrary.org. I would love to hear from you. 